Hello, welcome to Wise Witch Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Carly Catron. And today I am so excited to share this incredible interview with you that I did with Ariel De Martinez. Wow, I honestly was just blown away and I feel like tickled is is the word I want to use, even though it's like a little corny in terms of this um, topic that Ariel uh, dove into with us, which is hair healing and herbalism for the hair. And um, it's something that I have been seeking out for a long time and have gone through so many evolutionary journeys with my own head of hair. The most intense, I think, being that last year I just shaved it all off. So I have this virgin hair on my head and it feels so good, but it's also been, you know, evolutionary in so many ways. And so it was really cool to talk with Ariel, who did um, a consult with me and kind of helped guide me through... um, transitioning to not using shampoo, just using herbs on my hair and different, you know, um, different products, I guess, is a a way to to frame it. Um, But she has, she's just such a wealth of knowledge on this topic and her journey into it, I think, is really spectacular. And it's a niche that has yet to be very expansive. So if you are somebody that's passionate about hair, this could be a great um, source of inspiration for you. So I'm so excited. So I will just um, introduce Ariel and we'll get right into it. Ariel de Martinez is a folk herbalist and a hair healer. She focuses on creating a culture of sovereignty and community in every realm of her business, whether through herbal medicine or sovereign beauty. When she's not making medicines for her herbal shop, her latest focus is shaking up the hair industry with a new focus on body anatomy, or excuse me, body autonomy and purity in hair care products. And um, just also need to touch in, in the beginning, we had a little bit of technical difficulties and there was some spottiness in her um, speaking about herself and introducing herself. And so um, we've cut that out, but um, just to fill in the gap, she was sharing that she, what led her to all of this was her journey of giving birth. And she was in the hospital and kind of um, went through an experience that was pretty common um, where there's a lot of disempowerment from the the staff themselves. And um, that led her to just have this fierce light be sparked within her to take her health and her family's health into her own hands. And so that really fueled her... um, evolution in the work that she was doing as a hairstylist and brought her into being a wellness practitioner and an herbalist. And the other thing that I forgot to mention is that we dove into essential oils 
and her view and opinion and um, stance on essential oils is far different than anybody else I think I've ever had conversation with. She is a no essential oil advocate for a number of reasons that we get into at the end of this episode. So make sure to tune into that and really listen to it with an open heart and um, just... I think it's a conversation that is becoming more prevalent in my community as an herbalist, and it's something that's extremely important for us to be discussing in terms of sustainability and what they're actually doing for us. So I'm really excited to have her um, share her wisdom on that as well. So I hope that you all enjoy this episode. If you do, please share it and um, rate, subscribe, and review. It really helps. But just be sure to spread the word. And this is how we stay connected and get this knowledge to the farthest reaches that we possibly can. Because this is definitely one of those topics where um, we need to be bringing back this sense of empowerment for, for women and for folks that have deep relationships with the hair on their head. Hi, Arielle. Thank you so much for joining me. I am thrilled that you reached out and wanted to share the work that you do because it's something that really inspires me and I think it's a niche in herbalism that has so much space to grow um so thank you just from the bottom of my heart for wanting to connect with me here I'm I'm just I'm so excited yeah hi thank you so much I'm so excited to be here and yeah when I when I first found you I feel like we align on so much so I feel like it's gonna be we're gonna have a good talk today Mm, yay um so cool let's let's just dive in and I would love if you could um tell us your story because I think it's really fascinating how you've gotten to where you are in your work and um yeah, I'll just let you kind of take the reins from here. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, my name is Arielle and I am a folk herbalist and a hair healer. And um, my journey kind of got started really during my first pregnancy and the birth of my first daughter. Um, I think like so many women, it's such a transformational time and there's really this like, awakening that happens during that time where, you know, the veil is thin and we're able to receive messages in so many more ways and really just like come into our calling and like what we're really supposed to be doing in this earth. And that certainly was the case for me. Um, you know, and that didn't come without some form of initiation. So, um, I, so different from who I am, I, you know, was, involved in the medical, the hospital medical system with um, the trauma situation. And it really motivated me to like, never have to rely on anyone. And how, you know, how that is into our life, of course, medicine and just this whole feel of like taking responsibility for what it means to truly take responsibility for our health and not rely on any anything outside of it beyond um you know, ourselves and our peace and the plant um i have been doing 
I went to hair school 13 years ago. So I've been a hairdresser for 13 years and um, working behind the chair um, the whole time and in a salon. And eventually I got to the point where I started realizing that it really wasn't aligning with me um, in the sense of like, you know, I had eliminated part of taking responsibility is like, you know, what you keep around you and the things that you keep in your circle and, you know, setting yourself up for success so that when you do come across, you know, different contaminants or things in your environment that we can't really control, um, you know, you, your, your body's resilient and you're set up to handle that. And so for me, one of those big things was getting rid of a lot of, you know, endocrine disruptors and artificial scents and things like that. Um, you know, that I didn't want in my home or around my new daughter. And I was going to work every day and using all of these products. And not only was I using these of my products, but, you know, I was, I was using them on my clients and I was, I was charging money to put these chemicals on my clients' bodies and send them home with these products. And, you know, it got to a point where I was trying to, to balance my role as, a healer and my role, like what I did to put money in the bank, you know, and dinner on the table. And, um, it just felt like a giant conflict of interest because my clients were coming to me and a lot of them were having a lot of, you know, autoimmune issues, thyroid, endocrine, fertility problems, chronic migraines, things like that. All these things that, you know, I'm sure, you know, as an herbalist, like we all know, one of the first things we're going to say about that is like, okay, like, get rid of all fragrance, you know, get rid of all these things in your home um, that you probably don't realize are, you know, slowly poisoning you. And one of the things I'm doing while they're telling me this is, you know, applying chemicals with fragrance in them to their hair and sending them home with these products. And um, so, you know, it just got to the point where I really couldn't do it anymore. And um, I was lucky enough to meet this lovely woman and mentor who owns a company called Wildflower and the Rose, and she colors hair with pure plants and flowers. And um, really, just she really just took me under her wing and helped me kind of merge my two um, my two careers in a sense and embody that healer working with hair and beauty. And, um, I have a company called sovereign beauty and wellness, and it kind of encompasses full spectrum beauty and healing. And, you know, um, I make, I make my own beauty products and I do a lot of like coaching and virtual client work. Now I don't work behind the chair, but, um, you know, one of my big, um, my big niches is getting people to uh, like ditch the shampoo and conditioner, um, which I know you're kind of in the process now. So I think that'll be a fun conversation for us to talk about, but yeah, just kind of like shedding some of these things that have been holding us back um, and really looking at what it means like to take true charge of our health, like from a beauty perspective. Cause I think that's something that a lot of people um, don't realize, or they just assume that you can't, you know, if you're going to eliminate it, then you just can't use anything or you just can't do any, you know, you can't have it all. And in this case, I really feel like you can. So that's so, I mean, wow. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, there's a few things that really stood out to me there. When, and one of them being, which I had just listened to the interview that you did on IG live. Um, and you spoke about connecting those dots of like, you know, putting, 
all these different chemicals right on people's scalps and they're simultaneously complaining to you about their health issues, which a lot of them are probably stemmed from the endocrine system. So it's just so fascinating that you were able to connect those dots and that so few people have been empowered enough to do that as well. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's like a whole realm of just like work that needs to be done. And so it's incredible that you are doing it. And I think the other thing that really stood out to me that is so um, just amazing to really connect with is I think re-empowering us to like take our beauty back into our hands because it really is such an, like it's a part of culture for women to want to feel beautiful and um, like have luscious hair and beautiful skin. And, and the, I think the real question is, is like, how do we achieve this in a way that is for one, not going to harm our bodies, um, not going to harm the earth and that is sustainable and makes us feel like really juicy and delicious. And the answer is through plants and that's internally and externally. So I love that you have that frame of um, reference in your work of like, you know, you're working through the beauty industry, but you're doing it in a way that is in alignment with earthwork and being an herbalist. It's just, it's so cool to me because it's in my three years of schooling, um, hair wasn't really anything that we talked about at all. I think there was one book on the shelf available for purchase and nobody in my circle had um, any background or anything that was drawing them to that as a niche. So it's, I just really think that this is such a fabulous place for people to start integrating. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and you make such a good point, you know, talking about like using plants and having that be the answer, you know, internally and externally, because I mean, we all know like plants are alive, like they're alive. There's a real, true, palpable energy when it comes to working with plants and different plant allies. And, you know, the vibrancy that you get from working with plant medicine is something that's unparalleled to working with any other healing modality. And I feel like when you transfer that to, you know, working topically, like using plants as a form of like adornment and, um, you know, sovereign beauty practices, then, you know, you, you reflect that life and you reflect that vibrancy and, you know, our hair is alive. It's, you know, a living, breathing thing on our bodies. And you can really tell the difference. Like I hear from so many women all the time who have done these consults with me who are like, my hair feels alive for the first time ever. Like I was poisoning it and I didn't realize it or my hair moves. It actually moves now or it's, you know, it's, um, I don't have to do anything to it. Cause I'm just like treating it well. And now it's responding. And so it's this, it's this really cool, like symbiotic relationship between you and the plants and, um, you know, your hair and skin, and it all just kind of like feeds off of one another and you can see the tangible responses every step of the way. So I really love that. That's so beautiful. The, just allowing people to reconnect with the life of their hair. Mm. Well, so 
we had talked about you wanting to do a consultation with me, which I'm so excited about. Um, and we also, you had mentioned that I'm in the process of no pooing. Um, so a year ago, or I guess more than a year ago now, I shaved all my hair off. And it's been quite the journey of um, just like letting it do its thing and growing back out and all those awkward phases. But I definitely don't have any regrets around it because having fresh, undamaged hair is like just feels so good. Um, and from that time, I think I've used shampoo once, but I've been cleansing with conditioner. And I do that about once a week. Um, and so I'm really excited about this no poo, um, ebook that you just released. If anybody out there listening is interested in transitioning to not using shampoo, this is the resource that I have been looking for. And I bet many of you have too, because I've gone onto Google and tried to find information and there's just not anything that's comprehensive that really breaks it down for you. And then on top of that, is integrating plant medicine as well. So it's fabulous. And I just did my first apple cider vinegar rinse last night because ironically, I did make a hair vinegar more than a year ago. So I busted it out. <laughs> it's been infusing it. the entire time. It's lovely. It That's smells awesome. really good. Um, I wish I would have known to have put marshmallow in it, but I'll do that in my next batch. This one I think is nettle. Go to cola, oat straw, and I think maybe rose. Um, yeah, that sounds perfect. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really excited to to be utilizing it. Um, mm -hmm. But I just wanted to kind of give you that little bit of a background <laughs> on where I'm at with my own hair, and then maybe, maybe we can jump into this consult. Yeah. So what type, what conditioner have you been using to cleanse with? So let's see. I got, I can't remember what I was using prior. I just finished my bottle and I was like, and I saw your no poop PDF right at the same time. I was like, okay, I'm not going to buy any more. Um, I've been using, I can't remember the brand it's in my co-op. So it's more of like the natural food side of things. Um, but it's in a, I was drawn to it because it's in an aluminum container. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not remembering the name of the brand currently. That's okay. Mm -hmm. So something I normally do, the reason why I ask is what I normally do in my virtual consults is I'll kind of do like a little mini review of like the products mm -hmm. that you're using, you know? Um, and so in this case, it's pretty easy for me because you're not using a lot. Um, but you know, generally I like, I really like to rely on the EWG, mm -hmm. um, organization website. Um, and, they have an awesome part of their website called Skin Deep where you can look up any hair care product that you're using and it will really just go through and break it down for you. And it's crazy how many, even how many products who are EWG verified as being like safe, when you break down the ingredients, they, you know, have a rating for organ toxicity or reproductive, you know, endocrine disruption or immunotoxicity. And, you know, they still have these good ratings. So um, if anyone's interested in really like deep diving their product, I mean, you'll hate me for it later, but it's, it's a really great resource. Um, 
And then you have some natural wave in your hair, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And you just kind of let that do its thing. You don't really use any product or anything. No, I don't. Um, I had more, well, I live in a drier climate. When I'm in a more moist place, it curls up a lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been flat this last year being um, in such a dry, more inland environment. Um, but no, I don't use anything on my hair except just wash it. Cool. Um, are you wanting to use, if you found like some, some products that you liked that, you know, were, you know, pure plants, would you be interested in using some products on your hair or are you just trying to be as minimalist as possible? I probably would just because I love plants <laughs> and I love putting them all over my body, um, especially if they're going to be nourishing. My ultimate yes. hair goal is to have hair that's long. Like my hair has never really been long. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with possibly my genetics and then also damage that I've had over the years. So any like protective qualities that I could apply as a product. Um, and then, yeah, I just almost can't guarantee that I would be diligent about it <laughs> just because I'm not in the habit anymore. Um, but I am open to it. Cool. Well, and that's the great thing about all this stuff that we'll get into is that you don't have to do it all the time. You know, you can just do it when you feel called or, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's really easy to make part of small pieces of it, parts of your routine and take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Um, cause you know, with everything, like it's your hair and you know it better than anybody else, you know? So, um, do you have any scalp challenges or issues at all no. since you've gone no poo? No. Okay, cool. Any other like big challenges just besides getting really wanting to get length? Um, Not so much now that I like, now that my hair has kind of come back to a neutral place, just because prior to shaving it all off, it had gone through bleach, um, straightening, like I was really, really not kind to my hair when I was a teenager. And when I was probably Mm -hmm. around 20 years old, I stopped dyeing it I stopped using um heat for the most part but here and there I would use like a straightener or um a blow dryer and um I think that there was just like excessive breakage and dryness even shortly after giving like doing a trim um and so now it's just at Mm -hmm. this place where the layers are just awkwardly growing out (laughs) um And so just kind of trying to manage, like navigate having this shorter hairstyle that I don't love right now because I'm just kind of still waiting for things to to even out again. Totally. Okay, so first I will talk about what we would use to like cleanse and and moisturize your hair. So, um, you know, shampoo was, it's kind of funny when you talk about it because shampoo and conditioner are basically, it's like, 
the shampoo is used to like take away what we naturally have and that works for us. And the conditioner is sold to us to like sell that back to us in a synthetic way. So, you know, shampoo cleanses all of the natural sebum from our hair as it cleanses like dirt and oil as well, um, you know, and like minerals and, you know, just general buildup. And then conditioner was created to counteract the, the damage that the shampoo does by, you know, softening the cuticle, putting, you know, moisturizing ingredients back in the hair, trying to mimic that sebum um, that naturally coats your hair when you're not stripping it with shampoo. Um, and so when the way I approach the no poo method is I still cleanse and moisturize. I just don't use anything that is artificial to do so. So um, for you, what I would recommend is, you know, it doesn't sound like you have a lot of issues with oil production or anything. Um, and you're more focused on drying, be the dryness of your hair. And so um, you're not going to have to cleanse as often as some people will. And you've also already kind of made through that transitional period where, you know, your hair is kind of adjusting to not being shampoo cleansed with a shampoo. Um, and so apple cider vinegar is going to be your primary source of cleansing and moisturizing really. Um, I like to think of apple cider vinegar kind of as a co-wash. So that's kind of what you were already doing, um, with your hair before, you know, you were washing it with conditioner and the apple cider vinegar, you would dilute it in a rinse. So I like to do like two rinses back to back. So I'd fill up like a quart size mason jar. Um, I'd fill it up to the first line with apple cider vinegar and then the rest of the way with water or like a tea infusion. So, you know, you were saying you wish you had marshmallow root to put in your vinegar. Well, you can easily just make a marshmallow infusion the night before and then add your apple cider vinegar to that. Um, you know, and there's so many different ways you already have infused your apple cider vinegar with herbs. So you're going to get a lot of extra like cleansing and nourishment out of that. But if you're feeling like you need more, you know, you can make different infusions that are custom to what you're wanting. So for you, it sounds like, you know, moisture is really big. Um, so yeah, like marshmallow root, comfrey is a really great one for like, you know, damaged, depleted hair. Um, you know, astringent herbs are always nice because they just work a little bit to just kind of get some of that extra dirt and oil off. So like you said, you put rose in yours. That's great. You could do like an infusion with like marshmallow and rose or like, you know, comfrey and calendula is a great combo. And then add your um, apple cider vinegar to that. And then, um, yeah, you'll just do, so you'll get in the shower and you'll get your hair wet and you'll apply your apple cider vinegar to your hair, about half of the quart, um, all over your head and let it sit for a few minutes. And this is the time where that you can take to really focus on your scalp. Um, because, you know, one of the things that shampoo does do is it chemically exfoliates our scalp for us with the use of a detergent and, one of the big challenges that I have seen people struggle with when going no poo is scalp health. Um, you know, I've even seen this with big, you know, chemical product lines too, you know, that don't use really strong detergents kind of like, I don't know if you ever remember when, um, or like Monat's a big one now where they like have like the no lather shampoos, 
And what people don't realize and what education isn't out there is that you have to be exfoliating your scalp in one way or another um, in order to get buildup off of your hair to keep your hair healthy. So you're basically taking responsibility for this, the health of your scalp at this point. Um, so the apple cider vinegar is going to lightly cleanse, you know, dirt lightly, you know, cleanse oil from your hair. It's going to help balance the pH of your hair strand so that it's, you know, sits at that 4.5, 5.5 area where it should be. Same with your scalp, you know, it's going to help balance out any weird bacteria overgrowth. Um, if you're struggling with that, um, and then you're going to get in and manually exfoliate your scalp. Um, so you this with your fingernails and just give yourself a really nice scalp massage. Um, or you could take a brush and like, you know, hold it to your scalp and rub it around your scalp in a circular motion. I really like to use a something called a palm comb for this. Um, it's just really easy to access and it will last like forever. And it's just really easy to get in there and pull all that grime off if you have any. And then when you're done exfoliating your scalp, this would also be the point that you detangle your hair once it gets long enough um, to detangle. Um, and then you'd rinse that out. And, you know, with it, you know, you'll get some of that dirt oil and scalp residue that rinses out as well. And then I just follow up with one more apple cider vinegar rinse. And then you should be good to go. Um, and you know, things you might notice is your hair is going to feel really soft. It's going to feel really shiny. Your scalp should feel clean and you can do this whenever you feel like you just feel like your hair is feeling flat or you want it to be refreshed. Um, and then something that you can do when you feel like you really want a good cleanse would be to use Rasul clay. Um, kind of as like a deep cleanser or like a deep cleansing treatment. So some people will use Russell clay every time they cleanse because just, you know, their hair, the hair type that they have or what they're accustomed to. This always kind of would take the place of the cleanser. And then the apple cider vinegar rinse would kind of take the place of a moisturizer. So um, the thing that um, Russell clay has going for it is it really works on the scalp really well to pull, you know, toxins and get some exfoliation out the scalp. And then it has a negative polarity in comparison to our hair, which has a positive polarity. So it works to pull minerals off the hair, which apple cider vinegar can't do. Um, and it also is just going to leave your hair with a lot of natural fullness um, without, you know, going the route of a traditional um, you know, chemical volumizing shampoo that's going to just tear up the cuticle and, you know, um, destroy your pH just to get you volume. This is just going to give you a really nice natural body. So when you feel like your hair is really flat because it's dry, like this would be a great um, time for you to use this Russell clay. And then you'll just follow up with an apple cider vinegar rinse just to kind of, once again, make sure your pH is at the appropriate level and add like some softness and shine to your hair. Um, and then, yeah, I want, I do want to be clear that Russell clay is the only type of clay I recommend that you cleanse with because um, it has, it's the most mild clay and it has the pH that's closest to our hair's natural pH. Um, and traditionally it's been the one that has been used to cleanse you know, for a long time to cleanse hair with. So people ask about bentonite and kaolin and 
if you're in a pinch, you can use it, you know, or if you have some at home and you just want to test it, go for it one time that shouldn't do anything, but over time it will be drying. So, um, the way that you would use the Russell clay is you would just add a couple teaspoons or tablespoons to about eight ounces of water, um, and shake it up. Or if you want an extra cleanse, you could mix it thicker like a mask and then you'll just apply that to like your scalp and maybe the first couple inches of your hair and let it sit for like five minutes you don't want it to dry out or anything but you'll really feel it in your scalp like it just feels like your scalp is like awakening when you have this on and then yeah you'll just follow up with your apple cider vinegar rinse and that is cleansing um you know that's cleansing and moisturizing. And yeah, like I'm at the point where I only do this once a month. So I use clay and apple cider vinegar once a month, maybe halfway through I'll do an apple cider vinegar rinse for fun, but it's very low maintenance. <laughs> do you have any questions about that part? Yeah, I have a few. First of all, I'm stoked that you said um, that I can just make a marshmallow tea. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to do that for my next round. Um, and this was really helpful because last night, um, I felt like I did have a couple questions. Like I was like, okay, so rinsing my hair, do I rinse with water after or, but it seems like you do the initial rinse with water and then the rinse with the apple cider vinegar and then the scalp exfoliation and then another rinse to kind of just like clear out anything that was left behind. And then that's, mm -hmm. that's it. And you let it dry from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, cool. And then where do you get your Russell clay? Um, so I have a resource. Yes. I source my Russell clay from the company that I was talking about earlier, um, wildflower and the rose. She just, her name's Chelsea and she just does a really good job at like making sure that her product is like full purity and standard and like ethical companies, you know? So I like to support her for that reason. And, um, I have, I do have an affiliate link for that. So that should be in your PDF or on my Instagram, if you decide to source from her, but thank you. She also has a lot of fun little like homemade rinses and stuff for people who, you know, don't like, you know, they just want someone to create a blend for them. They don't necessarily want to like get witchy and make their own. You know, she has a really nice like marshmallow and rose, you know, blend for rinsing and stuff like that. That is kind of cool. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm very, I'm familiar with her. I've connected with her a little bit awesome. um, through Instagram and it's, yeah, it's really cool that people like that people like you and her are out there doing this and you seem mm -hmm. to be some of the very few. So I hope that this can inspire some people and I'm going to reach out to everybody I know that are hairdressers and be like, hey, you should listen to this conversation that I had. Yes, um, awesome. And then um, I'm curious how long it took for you to get to the point where you're able to do this only once a month. So I, I've been training my hair to go like very long time between shampoos for a while. So before I started this, I was shampooing my hair probably every 10, 10 days. Um, and it's just cause I have really curly hair and, you know, the more I, the more I shampoo it, the fluffier it gets. So I, I already had made the connection between like shampoo being not ideal for my hair texture, but, um, 
Yeah. So when I started this, I, in the beginning, you know, when you're going through this transitionary time, your hair is just kind of like freaking out and it doesn't really know what to do. And not only that, but also for the first time you're visibly watching your sebum, you know, come down your hair strand and coat your hair. So you have like a physical visible line of like oil, you know? And so the top half of your hair looks really flat and oily. And then the bottom half of your ends look like dry and parched in comparison. Um, but then, you know, you get to a point where your hair is just coated with this and your hair is just like soft and beautiful and luscious and shiny and movable. Um, but you know, it takes, so for me, it took about seven weeks to get to that point. Um, and you know, before that, I tell people when they're doing the transition, you know, you might, you might do the apple cider vinegar rinses way more frequently than you shampoo. So I would do an apple cider vinegar rinse, you know, like every, um, five days, every four or five days for a while. Um, and then I was doing, you know, once I started with the Russell clay, I would do that. I don't do that as much. I still never, I, my hair type is very similar to yours. It sounds like, so, um, I don't have to do the Russell clay as much as someone who ha would have like really fine or oily hair type, but yeah, after it's been about a year now. And honestly, the only time I use the, these, this stuff is more of just because I like, feel like I want to, or I want like a refresh more than feeling like I need, you know, like I have to, or feeling like I don't like the way my hair looks. That's really good to know because um, I think it can just like there's this understanding for me coming through that it's it's so low maintenance like the Russell clay may or may not be something that I need on a regular basis. I'm definitely going to try it and see what kind of results that I get and just um, you know putting clay on the body is so nourishing in itself so mm -hmm. um, I imagine that there there's always going to be something good coming of it um okay so I'm gonna transition slightly because I'm I'm curious about like oils mm -hmm. um I've always loved to do like an oil mask on my hair but if I'm not using something like a like a detergent or um you know, I could do it with, um, conditioner. Cause I would, I do the manual scalp cleansing. I had, I am familiar with when I'm not familiar with the other brand that you had talked about, but I do remember my stepmom used that for a while and I had used it with her. And so I learned from that experience of like how to actually like manually cleanse the hair because there's not that, um, sudsy action happening. Um, but with oils, because I, I do actually have quite fine hair. Um, mm -hmm. and if I were to leave, I mean, after I put oils on my body, I'm really cautious not to touch my hair because mm -hmm. it just looks greasy and flat as you had mentioned. Um, and so I'm, I guess curious about like masks and treatments and other fun ways that you would encourage or, um, guide somebody to, to play in that way. Yes. Awesome. This is a great direction. So especially because your hair is very dry, um, 
I actually don't encourage the use of a lot of oils. The only time I really talk about oil is during the transition phase when your ends are really dry. Jojoba oil is really nice to kind of mimic that natural sebum on your ends to kind of like help get you through transition. Um, or, you know, a little bit of styling at the end. If you feel like you like the way like a serum, a shine serum feels on your hair, you know, jojoba oil can be a good replacement for that because it absorbs into the hair really easily. Um, it's low PUFA and it doesn't, um, it doesn't, yeah. So that means it's not going to oxidize on the hair strand or anything. And it'll help with like heat function if you do do any heat on your hair, but everybody, when you're thirsty, you drink a glass of water. You don't drink a glass of oil or a fat, right? So um, we always want to moisturize our hair with water-based products first, because what oils actually can do is they can take the place of like the water and actually end up starving out our hair from getting like the actual moisture that it needs. Um, so if you think about in a concept similar to skincare where you're going to apply, you know, your um, least heavy product first and then layer on top of that heavier and heavier, it's the same way, but like with water and oil. So um, water is our number one product and there's a lot of things that are found in nature that give us that. So obviously we know we have like our mucilaginous plants like marshmallow and things like that. Um, aloe vera is a great one. Honey is a really great, um, we call them humectants. So honey is a really great humectant. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite hair mask recipes, and this is in your um, PDF, is um, a mask with coconut milk um, because coconut milk has a lot of fats in it, but it's not going to do the same effect as like the oil will. So it's like coconut milk with a little drizzle of honey. Um, you can add some aloe vera to it if you want. And then just apply that to your, get your hair wet, apply that to your hair before you would do any sort of cleansing and just let that sit. Um, you know, you can let it sit for as long as you want. You could let it sit for up to an hour really. Um, and that's just going to get your hair fortified with a lot of like moisturizing ingredients. Um, and if you wanted to, you could add a little drizzle of jojoba oil to that. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, oil just sits on your hair and it's just gonna, yeah, you're not going to want to touch it. You're going to want to avoid it. So I recommend using things like the water-based humectants, um, to give you that extra, like, sense of moisture when you feel like you need it. Um, something else that you could do if you wanted to be a little bit more low maintenance would be to, when you're making your um, apple cider vinegar rinse, you could just add a drizzle of honey to your infusion or the water part. Um, or you could add like buy aloe juice from the store and use that as part of the base for your infusion. Um, so like, you know, half water, half aloe juice, and then your apple cider vinegar. Um, and that's going to really up your moisture content that you're going to be getting. Thank you for that. Um, I am familiar with honey as a mask for my hair. It's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I actually, the last honey hair mask I did was with a lilac infused honey. So it's really fun to get decadent with with the plants. <laughs> um, and so what it sounds like is that this will be, you know, there's all, there's all these guidelines 
And just like with anything herbal medicine, it's about individualizing it to your own constitution and to, in this case, the constitution of your hair, which I remember in the interview you just did on Instagram, you talked about how you know your hair better than anybody. And if you go into a salon, they're going to just kind of belittle you and, and, um, challenge you in your personal knowledge about your body, which sounds something similar to going to a doctor, um, <laughs> which is really fascinating. But so what I'm kind of able to, to take from this is like, okay, my hair type's a little bit more dry. Um, I would really benefit from doing that mask with the coconut oil and the honey or the coconut milk and the honey and maybe maybe using some yohoba here and there. And then maybe after I do that mask once a month, I could do the Rasul clay. And just to ensure that I'm really like getting any of the excess oils because I have fine hair and I don't want it to be flat and then finish that off with an apple cider vinegar rinse. And that could be my hair treatment once I've fully transitioned. Amazing. Yep, that sounds perfect. Fun. <laughs> yeah. So then anything else you wanted to do would be purely optional, but some options that you could go in would be like using different hydrosols mm -hmm. um, just to kind of moisturize and like refresh the hair. So you could use those in place of like um, a leave-in conditioner or a detangler or like a refresh for, you know, wavier curly hair. Um, or you could use um, flaxseed gel which is super easy to make. I'm not sure if you've ever made it before, but um, you basically just simmer flax seeds and you can add a little bit of whatever herb you want to customize it um, and uh, let it simmer for like six minutes on the stove and strain it. And then it turns into this like jelly egg white texture. Um, and that will last in your fridge for a couple weeks. And that just, if you, you know, were having a, you know, you knew you had an event coming up or you wanted your hair, you know, you just wanted to feel like a little bit more, um, you know, put together, or you wanted something more refined for whatever reason, you know, you could use this, um, this gel to help, you know, give you a little bit more control and definition. This is amazing. <laughs> I am like... <laughs> I haven't been this excited about my hair in a long time. So thank yeah, you so much for sharing this with me. Um, so for for yeah. the flaxseed gel, would you do whole flaxseeds? Yes, whole flaxseeds. Okay, amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to play around and like to yes, it's so evolve fun. my relationship with my hair. I feel like, yes. I mean, as we know, it's been a it's been used as a weapon against women and their empowerment and. I think what you're doing is really just like handing that power back to us. I saw all your posts in, in the Leo season, just like all these beautiful manes that you've helped just come back to life and the confidence that comes with it. And it truly is a form of women's empowerment to be in touch with our hair in this way and to not be dependent on these chemical companies that have absolutely no care for us. Their only interest is to make money. And these industries as well. Um, this is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, like that's as women, like we do, we do like to adorn ourselves, you know, and our hair is our biggest adornment. And it's, you know, one of our biggest ways of representation. And that is totally exploited by 
you know, patriarchy and capitalism. And it's something we're taught that we need to hate or control or tame. And, you know, we're sold these products that really are just a mild, you know, uh, copy of what, you know, plants can actually give us or what we can actually give ourselves when we, you know, learn how to take back our beauty into our own hands and, you know, adorn in a way that feels, that feels good and sustainable and nourishing and not in a way that's like harming us one way or another, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. The adornment. And I think that's what I was kind of speaking to in the beginning too, is just like how women, like it is part of our empowerment to feel beautiful and I think adornment is the is the perfect word to use here and just finding those ways that we can be adorned through plant medicine, like whether that's putting herbal oils on our body or doing these treatments with our hair. It's just, this is incredible. I'm, I'm just, I'm floored, honestly, and I'm so excited <laughs> for this to, to be able to share this information with people because this is something I have personally been seeking for a long time. And um, I'm just so grateful to you for sharing this information. Um, I have another question for you in terms of starting with a fresh head of hair. I have a baby coming and um, I don't want to use, I really don't really intend to use a lot of soap at all. Um, mm-hmm. but now this has sparked an entirely new <laughs> point of point of view for me to be thinking about. And so I'm curious, um, how you work with your child and, um, you know, maybe if you had any ideas or downloads about what you would do with a brand new human being. Yeah. So I love this topic too. Um, you know, even just from a soap perspective, like I really, I, I can count the number of times on one hand that I've used soap on my daughter, just cause, you know, I save it for those really intense situations that you might feel like a little soap will go a long way, but, um, you know, the microbiome is just so important and sensitive, especially those first two years of life. Um, you know, they say that the microbiome, the bacteria in the microbiome of the two-year-old is the base of what they will have with them for the rest of their life. So like, to me, it's always important to really set up like a really good, strong foundation there, you know, from birth to age two, um, because like, you know, like we talked about, like they're, they're going to get exposure one way or another, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, getting them set up the best way that they can, um, and that time is really important to me. And, um, so I recommend like, mi- yeah, like you said, like minimal soap. Um, and obviously I'm sure that you know this, but for anyone who's listening, you know, um, I don't, I don't give newborns baths at all. Like I like to keep that amniotic fluid and vernix on their body for as long as possible, because that's the scent that is, that carries the scent of what their little animal bodies know to be home. And, um, you know, that transition to coming earthside, having that scent with them and um, like on their body can feel really regulating to their nervous system and just be a really great um, thing that we don't have to do to help ease that transition. Um, So I definitely recommend, obviously, to skip the bath in the beginning um, and just 
smell that baby, obviously, um, because they smell so good. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different animal responses that happen in that time. Um, And then when it gets to the point where you're starting to feel like, you know, kids, the great thing about kids is they don't produce sebum and oil like we do. You really could never use shampoo or conditioner or Russell clay or an apple cider vinegar rinse on them and they would be totally fine. Um, you know, eventually you might get to a point where they start to feel grimy and kind of gross. And then you can do what we talked about here. Um, apple cider vinegar can burn. So, um, you know, a lot of times I think you could probably just get away with just a really nice astringent herbal rinse, you know, um, using your astringent herbs like lavender, sage, rosemary, things like that. That's just going to help kind of refresh everything. Um, you know, add a drizzle of aloe or whatever. And, um, that, that goes a long way. Um, hydrosols are great for, um, like toddler hair because it helps, you know, it helps kind of with the detangler and the refreshing part, you know, that they get from being outside, playing outside all windy all day, um, just kind of helps to like tame everything down and prevent, you know, any big tangles from forming. But other than that, there's really not a lot that you have to do. Their hair's pretty, um, self-sufficient until they kind of start to reach that older, like that pre-puberty stage, like nine, 10, um, and they start kind of producing oil and then you'll want to get them on, you know, whatever routine that you're doing, but. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy that you touched on not bathing the babe for as long as possible, because it is something that's been on my mind and I've had it's like one of those things where I'm like, I need to find more information on this. And so my, my instinct is like, okay, Google. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I'm happy that it's coming up in conversation. And then, and maybe we can elaborate and just kind of veer off for just a second, um, in terms of hair talk, but I'm curious, you know, just like with this specifically, um, how long would you say to go? Is it an intuitive thing or do you think that there's a timeline? And then are you working with like kind of like sponge bath situations where you're just using water and like a cloth? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I probably waited like 10 days. I know some people wait longer. Um, and then I just, I really, I just wanted to take a bath, like, and I was bathing before, but I wanted to take a bath without having to like set my baby down, you know? So, um, you know, I always just, we just take, take water baths, you know, for a long time and, um, you know, both of us in the water, but, um, yeah, I didn't, I probably didn't use any sort of, I think, you know, we had a really challenging like diaper situation around around six months old and I used a little dab of soap then, but, um, otherwise yeah just water um and I didn't really feel need a need to do like the sponge bath situation before I did that first water bath around 10 days um it just kind of depends you know on of course if any like weird fluids get on them or anything you can totally just take a damp cloth or you know some dry skin you might feel the need to like moisturize that dry skin so you know a little breast milk and a washcloth can be a good form of exfoliation in that way um but yeah. Um, yeah, I gave birth, like I said, I gave birth in the hospital and that was something that I like fiercely fought for was to keep, (laughs) keep anything away from her. And like all the nurses were like, we've been here for like 20 years and we've never had a patient decline a bath before. They were like, 
astounded and like couldn't understand. And then when I explained it, they were like, oh, I was like, I want to wait till we get home and get, you know, settled. And she knows she starts to recognize the sense of her new home before I take the scent of her old home off of her. And they were like, okay, that makes sense, you know, but it's revolutionary when we're able to do that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. It's kind of a pivot, but <laughs> it's something that's been on my yeah, mind. So it might be helpful for others as well. Um, Definitely. Okay. I think it's time to transition our conversation to essential oils. And this is yes. something that has been very interesting for me to dissect um, in the last few months, I would say. Um, we did have mm-hmm. formal training through my school with aromatherapists and talked essential oils. And from that, I was really able to understand the um, just the massive amount of plant material that goes into them. And so mm-hmm. at that point, I was in a place where I was using them very seldomly because they're not sustainable. No way, shape Mm -hmm. or form are they sustainable. Um, Unless Mm -hmm. I guess you're making it yourself and you get like two drops (laughs) of oil from a Mm -hmm. a home still. Um, Mm -hmm. But commercially, not at all. And then when you start to peel back more layers, um, it turns out that they're really not good for us. And mm-hmm. I think that that can be a little bit shocking to some people's systems. Um, I know it was for me the first time that I had ever heard them categorized as an endocrine disruptor alongside with like Tide and <laughs> these, you know, hairsprays and various products that use synthetic fragrances. Um, it was really um, jarring, I think. Yeah. Um, but I'm beginning to understand it more. And I think a lot of it boils down to the fact that it is an isolated constituent. Um, Mm -hmm. so I would love for you to just take the wheel and share, um, kind of like your research, your understanding, and also like what led you there to begin with. Yeah. So I think, and this is great because it kind of goes with like the two categories we've been talking about, because A, it is almost impossible to find A, a book on natural beauty or a natural beauty product in a health food store that doesn't, isn't loaded with essential oils. I mean, every skincare, homemade skincare book is all essential oils, you know, Um, I was thinking earlier when you were talking about that one hair care book, you know, that you had at school was probably loaded with essential oils, you know, like that's just what we've been taught is this natural substitute for beauty and also the natural substitute when it comes to caring for our children um, is that essential oils are this non-toxic, you know, alternative to fragrance And, you know, I think it can feel really empowering for women and moms who were using a lot of chemicals and they feel like they finally have found this way to like somewhat take responsibility um, and take control of their, you know, their beauty and their health and their family. Um, But I say that it's kind of like a false, it's a false sense of empowerment because it's not, um, you know, it's, 
it's a, just a different venue of chemical, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially greenwashed because yeah, when we isolate, you know, when you look at a whole plant, you know, it's, it's a combination of all of these different plant constituents that all work together in this intelligent, innate design, um, you know, and they all balance each other out. And so, um, you know, a really good example of this is like meadow sweet herb, which, um, you know, is the, is the herb, the plant that we get, um, salicylic acid from for aspirin. And so, you know, when they made aspirin, they isolate this constituent salicylic acid and, you know, they add a bunch of fillers to it or whatever. And cause they can't patent meadow sweet. So they have to patent the salicylic acid and the extra formula and, we know that aspirin is really hard on the stomach and can cause stomach bleeding and ulcers and things like that. Um, so we know that it's not safe to take all the time because when it's isolated and on its own, its properties can be exploited. But when you use the meadow sweet, the whole herb in the form of an infusion or a tincture, um, you know, meadow sweet also has constituents in it that are natural demulsants. And so they coat the stomach um, and so that stomach is never really exposed to that harsh salicylic acid. So you can get the benefit of the salicylic acid without having the harsh side effects of it. Um, and so it's a really great parallel to essential oils because essential oils are a very powerful and medicinal constituent of the plants. And they've been scientifically studied a lot for a lot of different, um, you know, a lot of different healing modalities and ways to heal. And, um, you know, I think that's, but when the, what people don't understand is essential oils take up a very, 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 very microscopic part of the whole plant. Um, you know, 0.1% we're talking about. Um, and so when we take essential oil out and we're using it, um, even just one drop is more more essential oil or more volatile oil compound than we would be exposed to on a regular basis working with the whole plant. Like there's just no way. Um, and so these properties that are very strong and very powerful in the essential oil, like um, they're the source of fragrance of the plant, they're a source of like antimicrobial, you know, antibacterial, um, you know, these, these, properties can get exploited and actually kind of work against us in the form of, you know, microbiome and endocrine disruption, um, skin sensitivities, immunotoxicity, things like that. So, um, yeah. And like, if you think about it in that perspective, like it's, it's no different than, 80% of pharmaceuticals that are on the market that are derived from plants, you know, they're just an isolated constituent that don't have, um, that, you know, they don't have their whole part. So they don't have the intelligence to be able to counteract, you know, some of what these harsher, powerful properties can do. Um, so I don't know what, do you want to go in the microbiome direction first, or do you want to talk about the endocrine disruption? Take the lead. I I think both both are important places to to touch on. So I'm flow with it, sister. <laughs> Sounds good. So let's start with endocrine disruption first. So the only the only oils that essential oils that have been studied um, in terms of endocrine disruption are lavender oil and tea tree oil. 
And I believe that these were personally picked very intentionally because these essential oils have the volatile oil compounds, a combination of volatile oil compounds that are found in almost every other essential oil on the market. So in theory, we could say that between these two oils, they speak for all essential oils. Um, and um, the first study was a study done only on lavender. And it found that lavender has an estrogenic quality. So it it will fill estrogen receptors in the body and um, and could lead to estrogen dominance, um, which is the same way that any sort of other fragrance-based endocrine disruptor works. So like a Glade plug-in, scented laundry detergent, et cetera, they're all doing the same thing by filling our estrogen receptors and leading to a lot of estrogen dominant issues, you know, um, like endometriosis and PCOS and fibroids um, and reproductive health. And then um, it was also found to have an anti-testosterone effect as well, which we know can contribute to a host of male reproductive issues and just whole body issues for men. So, um, and then this second study was shown that um, it was based off lavender and tea tree oil as well. And these, um, you know, I don't know how this, this clinic was found, but it was basically, there was this clinic and it was specialized. It was like a hormone special clinic that specialized in children who had, um, we would call it um, abnormal breast development for male children and um, premature breast development for female children. So, you know, there were babies in this clinic as young as six months old who had developed breast tissue, um, you know, little boys who had developed breast tissue. Um, and when they looked at, you know, all of the common factors around this group of children, it was a small group. I think it was only like 20 or so in this special like control group or whatever that they had every single one of these children were being exposed to essential oils on a daily basis. So one mom, you know, was just using a, a, a soap every night. She'd give her daughter a bath with this soap that had lavender essential oil in it. Um, you know, one girl went to school and she sat in a classroom all day and her teacher had an essential oil diffuser running because essential oils are marketed heavily to teachers because, you know, they relax the kids and they clean the air and, you know, you don't have to worry about getting sick all the time. And, um, you know, so all of these different children were being exposed to essential oil in one form or another. And the kicker was, is they told every single family, go home, don't change anything, stop using the essential oils, take them away altogether. And within six months, 100% of the children's breast tissue had returned back to normal completely. So that's really powerful. That's a really powerful correlation to talk about the correlation. You know, it wasn't a large enough group to, you know, show any for sure 100% clinical data, but the correlation there is definitely powerful enough to indicate that there is a direct link between essential oils and a hormonal fluctuation in children. Um, and, you know, these might have been the more sensitive children whose bodies were having a stronger reaction, but it would be naive to think that not all children were affected in one way or another, um, you know, in on more subtle levels, you know, using essential oils. And, you know, lavender is, 
in almost every baby, natural baby product on the market. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can't go into any baby bye-bye baby or wherever you're going, you know, and look at the natural section without seeing a million different types of lavender soaps and lotions and, you know, whatever. So that's a huge concern for me. Um, having, you know, a daughter and, you know, having all of this stuff that I've already eliminated from my home, just like with the hair care chemicals, this, I just, I view essential oils as another chemical in that way. And then the second concern would be um, microbiome disruption. So I've already showed that, like talked about how like essential oils carry the antimicrobial properties of a plant. And I'm sure that you learned in your herbal studies, like I did, that there are some really powerful whole plant herbs that, you know, you don't want to take more than a couple weeks at a time, because if you take them for too long, they have the ability to disrupt your microbiome in your gut, just like an antibiotic would. And so we know that plants also have the ability to disrupt the microbiome one way or another. Um, generally not the whole plant, but there's a few cases where it can. And, um, but essential oils, when you are isolating the antibacterial part of a plant, and then exposing someone to that amount that they would never normally come across on a regular day, you know, um, even someone who worked at a lavender farm all day and, you know, they wouldn't come across one or two drops of essential oil on a daily basis. They just wouldn't. Um, cause that's how little, how few, um, you know, essential oils come off and, um, a ref, uh, example I like to use is with peppermint, um, you know, it takes, it's like a half a pound of peppermint takes create to create one drop of essential oil, which is the equivalent of like 140 cups of tea, which is like so many gallons. Like you would never, you would die if you drank that much of any liquid in one day. Right. And so peppermint is antimicrobial. And if you're going to you're going to take the power of 140 cups of tea and like put all that power in one little drop. I mean, it would be naive to think that that's not affecting our microbiome. And a lot of people like to take this information when I explain it and kind of manipulate it to their own way and say, this is why it's important not to use essential oils internally and make sure you're diluting them and, you know, turn it into this concept of safety with essential oils. But I hold the belief that essential oils can never be used safely when it comes to the microbiome because even if you're diluting an essential oil, unless you're diluting it down to that 0.01% that's naturally found in the plant, it's not going to be proportional and you wouldn't be happy with the product that you would get because you wouldn't experience very much of it. Um, you might as well just use the whole plant because it's better. <laughs> it has all the, all the constituents. Um, but, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought here for a second. Oh, you think about like, you know, even just diffusing, which is something that people think is a very mild way to use essential oils. And it's a very common way. Um, you know, our respiratory tract is the, the front lines of our immune system. And, you know, our, our nose and our mouth were created, like one of their front responsibilities are like 
to facilitate to block pathogens from getting deeper in the body. So, you know, some of our natural immune responses in this way would be like mucus, coughing, sneezing, you know, um, our nose itching, all of those things are like natural responses to keep pathogens out of the body, along with our like very rich, unique, complex microbiome that differs in every part of our body from our nose to our mouth, to our ears, to our skin, to our gut, you know, all over our body. So, um, you know, when we're diffusing an essential oil in the air, we're essentially diffusing like antibiotics into the air in theory, right? Something that has the power to wipe out bacteria. And when we're breathing that in, we're essentially wiping out all of the bacteria in our respiratory tract, which is the front line up to our immune system. So when we're altering that microbiome, what happens when we come across a pathogen, you know, or we come across somebody that's sick or whatever it be, and our front line can't protect us because we've wiped it out by breathing in lavender infused air all day. Um, you know, that sets the stage to get, you know, deeper into our lungs, deeper into our respiratory tract. And it might affect us a lot more than we, it would have, you know, we might've never even noticed or gotten sick, um, you know, if we had a healthy functioning, you know, rest microbiome of our respiratory tract. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. I really don't believe that essential oils can be used safely at all in any way, um, whether it's only using them topically or only diffusing them or using it very, very small amounts. There's just no amount that's too small for me. That's not going to make a difference um, in terms of our microbiome. So that's pretty much my spiel. Wow. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's so much there and it's fascinating because it's, it's these two, like, what, how do I want to say this? It's like these two, like small topics of conversation, but when you start diving into them, it just gets expansive and more expansive and more expansive in the understanding of what's actually happening with our bodies and um, something that stood out to me was reflecting on the uh, studies that were done with lavender and tea tree oils. Those were the two, two of the three oils that one of my teachers recommended pretty much mm -hmm. for everything and to use neat, meaning undiluted for those of you that aren't aware of the, oh, the wow. term neat. Um, but it's interesting to me too, just hearing you say all of this and really reflecting on um, just how misguided people have become and how defensive people get. Um, and a lot of it is very much, I think, fueled by the pharmaceutical industry, even though they're not fully connected. It's, it's big business and maybe they are, maybe there are pharmaceutical companies that are owning these larger essential oil companies. And oftentimes I've heard people say, well, we've been doing it for years and we're fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that people fail to 
recognize the long-term implications. It's like the same thing with somebody that's 55 years old, 65 years old, and has eaten hamburgers and smoked cigarettes every day for their lives. And then at a certain point, they have a heart attack. They don't have a heart attack within the first few years, usually. It's that compounded use and exposure. And I think that that's where people get like disassociated with it. And they tend to get extremely defensive and almost like gaslight others in terms of like, safety and efficacy when there's a huge, huge issue in general about people properly being educated on the use of essential oils, like as a baseline understanding, but then this is taking it to the next step where it's just like, we probably, we, we really shouldn't be using them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's obviously it's, it's, really hard to hear when you think that you found something that excites you and that, you know, allows you to care for your family in a way that you couldn't before and all of that stuff only to find out these could be causing your family harm. I mean, you know, that's, that's a lot to take on. And that's a lot, that's a really big thing to come into terms with. And so I understand why there tends to be that level of like really intense defensiveness. But what I have found is that a, well, a, first of all, you know, this, there's always an alternative to whatever essential oil you're using in terms of the whole plant 100% of the time. And what I found is that, you know, some of these women who are in my community who, you know, maybe weren't so inclined to believe me once I got them working with whole plants, they all have switched over to whole plants now because they've realized like the opportunity is endless. And once again, like to me, essential oils are dead. They're not life. They don't have the same energy. Like, you know, they're no different from a pharmaceutical. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, it's not either or it's not you have to go, you know, associate with the medical system 100% of the time or use essential oils. Like there's a whole world full of whole plant medicine out there that is, it's not just empowering, it's powerful. Like that is power, you know, and that's relationship with the earth. And, you know, you don't need to have, you know, any sort of qualification to work with plants. It's, it's our birthright, you know, and especially like as women, that's what we, you know, that was our, that was our role for so long before, you know, so many different things happened to separate us and create this divide. Um, you know, we were all healers in one way or another. And we all, you know, it was normal for us all to have our own little apothecary in our homes or, you know, have these remedies at hand. And now we just don't. So if you are using someone who's using essential oils a lot, like there's alternatives and they're better than any way, anything you could ever imagine, you know, achieving with an essential oil. So. Absolutely. And I think part of it is the convenience factor for people. Um, you know, an essential oil, they just have to buy the bottle and then apply it or drop it into some water or oils or whatever they're using it for. Whereas like taking, making tea, making an oil infusion, a vinegar infusion, a tincture takes time. Mm -hmm. But I think it's about like offering that intimacy back to people, right? And like mm -hmm. showing, like empowering them and, and getting them back into in touch with like you said, their roots, because it is our birthright. And yeah. um, I would love if you would just take a moment to share some of these alternatives with us. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, the big, obviously the biggest one is like, well, what do I do in place of diffusing? And, you know, my favorite thing to do is just open up my cupboard and throw some herbs in a pot with some water and let it simmer on my stove. Um, and it makes the, my house smell good and I can use the leftover liquid as a hair rinse later. Um, but, you know, I think, first of all, I think it's really important to deconstruct the idea of scent and like what that means and how we've been associate, associated to like think that because something smells good, it's clean. And recognizing the fact that like our animal bodies, scent confuses our animal bodies. And like, it's really important, like we were talking about with newborns, like to be comfortable with the sense of the places that we are in, um, because that, that shows us one way or another, you know, what's going on in our environment. And, you know, just because something smells good doesn't mean it's clean. And just because something doesn't have a scent doesn't mean it's dirty. So kind of challenging that aspect of like scent and what that means and what your relationship is, is really important. Um, and then also like, yes, if you want your house to smell good once in a while, simmer some herbs on your stove. It's a great alternative. Or if, you know, you burned some bacon or something and your house smells terrible, then, you know, light, light, like, you know, burn some smoke or, or burn some, burn some loose herbs or some whole plant resin to kind of purify the air and get some of that, like, you know, burned scent out. Um, you know, open your windows by plants, you know, plants are wonderful air purifiers. So there's a lot of different ways to swap for diffusing. Um, and then in terms of using oils topically, you know, there's herbal and whole plant herbal infused oils, um, generally called herbal body oils that you can use for so many different things, even just like, I'm sure, you know, the practice of herbal bottle body oiling is just so nurturing and you're giving your body the gift of, you know, a well-rounded oil that has all of these different plant constituents and benefits and not just the ones that smell good. Um, and they do smell good, but in their own way, you know, these, these oils are a lot more earthy. They're a lot, you know, they're a lot more subtle, but, you know, I think personally, those more subtle scents really allow us to relax and stay in our bodies and don't create that disconnect that I was talking about earlier. So, um, herbal body oils, um, for cleaning, you know, you can use, you know, if you're putting a couple drops of lavender essential oil in your vinegar and using that for cleaning, just infuse whole plant lavender in some vinegar and you strain that and use that for cleaning, you know, um, we've become, yeah, we've become so disconnected that it's really hard to realize that like, if there's an essential oil that you like to use and, um, you know, however you use it, you can buy the whole plant and pretty much use it in almost every way, the same way, you know, it just might take a little bit more time. So to get there, you know. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and you just inspired me. I have some lavender to garble and I think I'll use the stems and infuse that into some white vinegar that I can use for cleaning. So it's about using that whole plant, right? And like, just I do that with my stems too. I will, I infuse them in vinegar. I will um, simmer them on my stove or I will tie them into little like fire stick bundles, you know, and then I'll, I'll burn those. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, I mean, as an herbalist, I am familiar with all the things that we mentioned, but I wanted to give you the floor to share um, like your practices with it, but it still is inspiring for me. You know, it's like we get to, even though I have this baseline of information, I am still inspired by just those few pieces of, of alternatives that you shared. And amongst, I mean, the entire conversation has been just absolutely world altering for me. And I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to sit with me and share your wisdom. It's been such a pleasure. And um, before we wrap up, if you wouldn't mind um, just sharing where we can find you. And I know you have some really incredible offerings um, that you have free and quite accessible. So um, please let us know. Thank you. Yes. Um, so um, you can find me on Instagram. My my name is Ariel De Martinez, and that is um, that's my handle. So my name is A R I E L L E, and then D E M A R T I N E Z, and that is my website too. So ArielDeMartinez.com, and um, I share a lot of hair healing, herbalism, and you know, essential oil free education on my Instagram and then on my website, I have a free resource guide for essential oil free living. So it covers everything that I talked about in depth about essential oils um, today, plus more. Um, and it includes like, I get asked a lot, like, well, what do I do with how do I dispose of my old oils, you know, and it covers like, all the things to do with when you're trying to get rid of essential oils and why along with resources and websites and linking to those studies I talked about. Um, so that's available for free on my website under digital downloads. And then I have um, my herbal apothecary on my website called Subluna Botanicals that I make, um, you know, homemade plant extracts and sovereign beauty products and hydrosols. And then I do hair healing consults or I have my no poo PDF that I just released that you have Carly. Um, and all of those are, you can investigate and discover on my website. So. Incredible. All of the offerings that you share are just incredible. I'm so excited to be on my no poo journey, my hair healing journey. And I'm so grateful to have your guidance through it. This has been such a treat and I'm just I feel so warm and fuzzy <laughs> from, yeah, this, so from this conversation so thank you so so much for for joining me yes thank you so much for having me and I you're gonna have to keep me updated on all your hair healing wins because <laughs> I love to hear oh that. I will I absolutely yes. will awesome awesome Thank you so much for tuning in to the Wise Witch Wellness Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you or anyone you know is interested in being a guest on this show, please email me with an inquiry at wisewitch at wisewitch.com. This show is listener supported and is able to keep running with the support of all of our wonderful patrons. If you are interested in supporting this show, head over to patreon.com slash thewisewitch and sign on to become a member. Each month I offer PDFs and content to further your foundational herbal knowledge, and I truly love creating each offering. 
This is available starting at just $3 per month. You can also make a one-time donation via Venmo or PayPal. And to find these links, visit www.wisewitch.com podcast, where you will also find episode information, recipes, and sources. The opening song, Whispers, is written and performed by Elenario, and each episode is made beautiful for your ears by Jordan Newhart. And the disclaimer, the Wise Witch Wellness Podcast is for educational purposes only. The hosts and guests of this podcast series are not medical professionals unless stated otherwise. There are currently no official certifications for herbalists in the U.S. The information that is offered is not meant to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease, nor are there any medical claims being made. It is meant for you to take into your own experience, and it is encouraged that you continue your research in alternative spaces. I am simply one person offering experiential knowledge and research where it is applicable. If you are pregnant, breastfeeding, or on prescription medication, consult your healthcare practitioner before consuming any of these herbs.